Welcome to Sam's on Fire, a podcast for everyday entrepreneurs navigating business decisions, growth, and structure. Now, here's your host, Sam Livingston. Today, I'm here with James Wise of the Holton Wise Commercial and Residential Real Estate Group. And I wanted to pick his brain because he's done things a lot differently than the, the real estate agents that I see in my own marketplace and across the country. So James, give me a quick introduction to who you are and kind of how you got started in the real estate business and where you're at. Yeah, man. Uh, number one, thanks for having me on the show, Sam. Appreciate that, brother. What we do, what I do at my company, it's it's probably totally different than what like 80% of the fans of your show are used to. Like when people think of the traditional realtor, they, they picture, you know, somebody driving around with a family, showing them houses, looking at blinds, talking about carpet, fucking shit like that. Uh, we don't do any of that. That's, that's not the business I want to be in. I've, I've never had a passion for that business. I sort of fell into selling real estate. My ultimate goal back in 2013, what I really wanted to do, well, it, I don't want to bore you with super boring details, but if we rewind back to 20, 2009, 2008, somewhere in there, I was 21 years old. I bought my first house. I worked out some fancy financing techniques. I actually got paid $16,000 to buy that house, set up an apartment in the basement, rented that out. And uh, I really got like the landlord bug. That's what I wanted to do. I'm like, hey, man, I buy a house. Somebody's going to loan me a bunch of money and then I'm going to have tenants pay off my mortgage for me. Fuck yeah, sign me up. This is what I want to do. So young age, 21, realized that's what I want to do. Fast forward to 2013, I started expanding, buying more properties. I hooked up with my partner. I'm wise. He's Holton. He's a contractor. Um, so I was a licensed real estate agent at that time. I got the license just so I could run sales for our own properties. Because, you know, when you're going out there in the, you know, in the marketplace, in the business, you got to, you got to, you got to create a competitive advantage against your competitors, right? If we're all going after the same stuff and we're all doing the same things, man. Like, how do we stand out? How do we get that edge? So for me, I was like, okay, I want to buy rental properties. How do I cut costs? How do I become better than my competition? Well, I'll get into the properties faster by having a license and I'll be able to have more control and a cheaper cost when I renovate the properties if I own them with a contractor. So that's how Holton Wise got started. That was the original cusp of Holton Wise. Realtor and contractor, we teamed up. Uh, and we, we spent all of our money on rental properties. We built up like a, you know, a little portfolio. It's like, I don't know, maybe like 20 units, something like that. And, uh, then we ran out of money as you do, right? It's expensive to buy rental properties. Uh, so I'm a, I'm a marketing guy. That's what I do. I'm always been in sales marketing. So we started reaching out to people out in California, the West coast where things are expensive. And we're like, Hey, we're in Cleveland, one of the cheapest markets in the country. These are the numbers we're buying properties for. The rental returns are astounding. Who wants to loan us money? And then uh, nobody loaned us any money, Sam. Nobody did. Nobody wanted to loan us any money. Uh, but what we found is they all wanted to own the properties themselves, but they needed guys to manage them. And that's how we fell ass backwards into property management. And uh, as I talked to you today, it's exploded. Currently, we're running a $50 million portfolio, and I've sold over $125, $125 million worth of real estate uh, since 2013. Yeah, pretty amazing. And I think it, it, the great part of your story is, and we chatted just a little bit before, a lot of people, you said, fell ass backwards into what you're doing. And I think a lot of people in real estate kind of do that. Um, I was flipping properties and I kind of had a little bit of the same experience. I was a Cleveland fireman. I was going to flip properties in my spare time. And what I realized was those, this was back in 06 and, and the realtors I was dealing with were 
uh, specifically REO Realtors. So they're the guys that didn't really leave their desk too much. I couldn't tell you the number of times they would just give me the code and, and that's what it was. But I also realized they never worked in my best interest. I said, I'm going to get my license. I'll be able to do exactly what you're saying, getting your own properties. Now I can kind of cut a little bit of that middle ground out. You can move a lot faster. You can do things. So um, some similarities there. And, and I do love that. What, what I also realized was I was already doing the majority of the work with my my rent rolls and all that, I, I would I would have to find out, hey, what's this property cash flowing? What's it, is it a wise decision? How much am I going to have to renovate it? What's the the after renovation value and those kind of things? So realtors back then weren't really doing it. And the crash for me kind of blended that together where you didn't just have residential real estate agents that went out and showed properties. And then you had REO real estate agents that sat at the desk and handled banks. So um, I think that was kind of an interesting twist when that 2008, 9, 10 area happened and it pushed those realtors to doing both things. Now, you said that you were buying properties before you got licensed. And what was that experience like for you going through a realtor, your your normal process for some investors now? Well, I mean, and that's like really where the niche is. Like, I don't know, I would say probably like 95, 99% of real estate agents, they don't focus on the investment aspect of the business. It's It's primarily a purely residential thing, which the majority of the buyers and sellers out there, I suppose that's what they're looking for. So I guess that makes sense. But the main thing that I I guess I would like to, I think the most important thing that we can illustrate to your audience is finding a niche, right? Like you have to find a niche, something that you're passionate about, something that you're good at, and you have to not be afraid to just go into that full bore. Like for a little while in our company, we got a little bit away from the full-on investor-only model, and we had hired you know, some realtors. I think at one point I had like 40 realtors on my roster, and we were like dipping our toes in both, both ponds, right? Like one half, I'm running my investment business, the business I'm actually passionate about. And then on the other hand, you know, we had like this whole like, you know, residential thing going, and dude, it was just a fucking disaster. Like we're hiring agents, and they're trying to do like the traditional like, driving around, meeting people at church, trying to sell people $400,000 houses. And then they look at the broker's Instagram and I'm posting pictures of poop on a wall because a tenant shit on the wall. And they're like, whoa, this is not like, this is not working for our branding. So, you know, our turnover, the turnover in the industry is already super high, right? Right. Uh, So our turnover was even higher. And eventually I had to make the decision. I'm like, no, I just have to, you know, fully embrace who we are, what we do, embrace our message, embrace our branding and just cut all that out. Once we did that, we became more successful. So like what I think is important, because I don't think every realtor listening to this show should do what I do, right? I do what I do because that's what I'm passionate about. I wanted to be a landlord first and then I became a real estate agent. Those are the things I like. I don't like driving people around or making small chit chat with people. I fucking hate that shit. Like don't fucking tell me about your life. I don't fucking care. (laughs) Right. I don't want to talk about that shit, but there's people out there that do want to talk about that stuff and they are people, people, and they should embrace that. So what, what I really just want to say, man, is there is a lot of different ways to make money in real estate. And I don't think it makes sense for somebody to try to be a jack of all those trades. You should find one thing you specialize in and just go full bore, you know, just avoid everything else and just attack that one thing. So for me, that's rental real estate. And I focus all of my branding around that one thing. If you're listening to this and you're a realtor, you got to figure out what that one thing is for you. 
Yeah, and I talk about that all the time. Niche real estate is is a real thing. I'm a veteran. It makes sense for me to market to veterans. I certainly don't want to do what you do. And I have tried. And I'm one of those realtors that, hey, I'll do this and I'll do this and I'll do that. And what I have learned, and you said it yourself, jack of all trades, master of none, it, it really can it can bog you down. And I love the fact that you're in a completely different aspect of real estate than I am. But the mindset is the same. And it's like embrace what you're passionate about. Exactly. And to that point, I sort of like trailed off. But to answer your direct question, you kind of reminded me of it with your answer there. Like back in the day, if you're trying to do investment real estate, like experiences you'll find. Like I, I immediately, I only bought the, the, like, I think it was like one house before I got licensed immediately. I knew that's what I wanted to do. Because dealing with the one guy, he was a good realtor, good dude. But dealing with the one guy, it was very like clear to me that like, what I wanted to do, like the kind of things I wanted to talk about, the, the things that I saw in these houses as like investment vehicles, it was very clear that that was not this gentleman's forte, so to speak, right? So it, it would be like talking to deaf ears. On top of that, just you know, as a pure entrepreneur and just thinking about the bigger picture right from the get-go, I knew that there's only so many hands that could go in the cookie jar, right? So I knew I had to cut out steps to get that competitive advantage. But what a lot of people will feel like if they're like me and they want to be an investor and you're a realtor and you're doing like six different niches, you're, you're going to be providing six insuperior, you know, inefficient products, right? They're, they're not going to be six superior products, right? They're going to be six below average products. What you should do is cut that out, provide one product better than anybody else in your marketplace. And I think that's a message that can transcend a lot of industries, but in, because I, I consider myself a real estate expert, it's probably one of the greatest disconnects that I see with realtors is they're going to do everything. They're going to be a luxury property person. They're going to be an investor person. There's, they're going to, they're going to do some rentals. They may do some property management. And I said, and that was me when I got in because I didn't understand enough about the industry mistakes. It's a great teacher, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Dude. I mean, that that's like what you have to do. The thing with like real estate agents and, and this drives me nuts. Like, you get real estate agents that they think they could convince people to buy and sell houses. Guys, I'm going to give you guys a secret right now, man. It's the worst kept secret in the industry. You don't determine when people buy houses or when people sell houses. People buy and sell houses when they need to buy and sell houses. Now, you can get into certain industries where people buy and sell houses more often, like myself. I deal with rental real estate. On average, the average rental property nationwide is owned for four years. So every four years, these are trading hands, whereas traditional homes are traded every seven years. So that's something to think about when you're figuring out what your niche is. But outside of that, like data right there, and that's not data you can manipulate. That's just the data, dude. You have to accept it. You got to analyze the rules of the game and figure out how to play it, but you can't change those rules. So that's already out there. But like on top of that, you understand, you're never like going to make a cool ass Facebook post where someone's like, oh my God, look at Susie's post. Let's sell the fucking house, honey. That's not happening. <laughs> what you have to do though is market so hard, so frequently, and so laser focused that when people do decide to sell their house, you're the first person they think of. And you only do that by having a laser focused campaign that is just hammering them over and over and over. They, as soon as they think about that, as soon as that decision is made, they have to think about you. That's where you can sway their decision. Marketing and branding, right? That's right. I, I, I always love when people have that 
tenacity and they're not afraid to say, here's who I am. You know, Gary, I, I listen to Gary Vee. I don't know if you have, like there's some specific people that they, they, their message can be delivered a thousand ways, but really when it comes down to it, it's something that you just said. You hammer the point home over and over and over. And the first time someone thinks I'm ready to buy or I'm ready to sell, or I need a property manager or whatever it is they're looking for, you're the only person that comes up first because you've done a good job at putting that in front of them. Yeah. Yeah. I, I see a lot of, I think this is a big problem with real estate and uh, you know, you being in the industry, you can attest to this. This is probably primarily what leads to 90% turnover. A lot of people want to be like a, a immediately gratified, right? Like you get the realtors, they put out like three small ads. And then if the phone doesn't ring off the hook right then and there, they give up, right? You, you see that a lot. Like they'll try it really, really hard for like a week and then that's it. Boom, done, nothing. So that, that's like a big problem. People need to understand marketing is like a long-term, slow process of just breaking people down. Because again, remember guys, we as real estate agents, we do not determine when people buy or sell houses. We just need to be top of mind when they come to that life decision on their own. Yeah, absolutely. I, I say it all the time. I'm not a decision maker. I get to deliver messages and give you an education about what can and can't happen. And then you get to make the decision. Hopefully I've educated you enough and I'm educated enough to provide you with all the tools. So I have so many times heard agents say the opposite of what you said, where they're going to determine yes or no, or they're going to determine when or what. And we really don't get to do that. The market does that for us. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So you touched on something that I really liked about marketing. So let's talk about your marketing strategy today, what it looks like today versus when you started versus in 2013, when you kind of went in this direction and what are you utilizing the most? Yeah, dude, marketing is something you got to hit on multiple fronts, but it all has to be interrelated. Today, I would consider myself a marketing expert. Our main thing that we do, uh, we have a full on TV network. It's called Holton Wise TV. Okay. You can subscribe to that on our website, holtonwise.com or on YouTube. And uh, we actually have six separate TV shows, and they're all interrelated to our business. Uh, we have the Investment Properties for Sale show, which is our, our biggest show. And that's actually how I sell properties. I do things very, very different than a regular realtor. I mentioned earlier uh, that I don't do chit-chat. I don't talk to people about their lives, and I don't drive people around uh, to houses. I don't do any of that stuff. Every property I sell, I sell it on my TV show. So you'll see me standing in this room right here talking to the camera. And uh, I have an entire full, full film crew that will go out, we'll film a complete video tour, and uh, we will film that property and I will break that property down as uh, an investment vehicle because that's what I do. That's what I sell, right? I'm selling money. Oftentimes, you know, we have tenants in there, but of course my company does property management. So it's a whole encompassing thing. So that's our biggest show. And then after that, guys, what's important, like investors aren't just going to flock to that because we're just selling them properties. Like you have to engage them. You have to give them a reason to know that you're the place to get the properties for. So the rest of our shows are primarily education focused. Uh, so we have the tenants from hell show. You get some shock value out of that great content. If people are going to buy rental properties, they need to know that bad stuff's going to happen and we don't want to hide them from that. So we got that show, but we got to even it out. So we got the landlords from hell show. And uh, then we have another show where I will just go ahead and analyze properties off the MLS for investors. Another thing, too, people got to understand, like, when people watch my show, like, it, I, I sell uh, to a worldwide buyer base, right? So very rarely are my buyers here in Cleveland. So a lot of things that I have to go over, 
you have to go over these like very general things that, uh, you know, people in Cleveland would know, like they would know what's a rough neighborhood or what's not a rough neighborhood. But like, I'm talking to guys from like Singapore. So they've never seen Cleveland. They've never even seen America, stuff like that. So a lot of analytics need to go into this and a lot of uh, area research. So we provide that to them. So that's investment property for sale show, the MLS analysis show, the two, uh, the landlord and tenants from house shows, that's four. And the other shows, uh, we have a house flipping show. We flip houses as well. Um, so we teach investors how to flip houses. And then uh, the last show we have is a uh, just like a general. It's called This is Holton Wise. It's just like a general catch-all show, right? Oh, and then we also have one more show. I forgot. We have the Ask James Wise show where people could just ask me any question they want about real estate, and I'll answer it for them. Uh, so those other shows, the six other shows, are geared to just drive traffic through providing valuable content, valuable education, and then we actually earn revenue from the investment property for sale show. So that's, that's what we try to do, right? We try to just put as much value into the marketplace as possible. You know, value is going to equal eyeballs. Eyeballs are going to equal sales. I love that too. And I can't tell you the number of times, I'm sure you get it too. Your, my email box gets filled up with um, the next greatest guy who's going to show me how to make seven figures. And it only gonna, it's only going to cost me $199 to learn and, uh, you know, <laughs> information and then they yank the rug out from underneath you until you pay. And I, and I said, you know, I really hate that. I like to give a lot of value for free and let people decide, is this the right guy for me? Is this going to work for me? He's, he seemed to be upfront. And I love what you said. We just give all the value in the world and then the right people are going to gravitate to what you have. Yeah, man, you got to give them value, dude. Like if you give them value, the, the money will flow. Like, like right now I have like I don't know, like 49,000 Instagram followers, right? When you got that many people following your content or like my, you know, my shows, you know, we got millions of views. Like when that many people are following your content, they're looking at you as the expert in your specific niche. Like, dude, the, I, I don't know about you, but like when I see this, this one specific thing, dude, I want to like throw my phone at a wall or like drive to the realtor's house and just fucking punch them in the face but i'm out before you say it <laughs> what i what i see is realtors who just like post a picture of their business card on their instagram or their facebook like hey i'm Susie. i'm a realtor fuck you Susie. nobody fucking cares like what is that that is fucking trash provide value to your audience why would you be like hey here's my business card who gives a fuck i'm a realtor who gives a fuck what you should be posting is hey everybody this is X and Y, Z neighborhood. I just wanted to give you guys 10 quick facts about X, Y, Z neighborhood because I am an expert in this neighborhood. And then provide value to your audience. Give people a reason to read your post. But please, realtors, stop fucking posting pictures of your business cards. I'm going to throw up if I see that shit. I, I love it. I, I thought you were going in another direction. It was actually kind of the opposite direction where we have those realtors that Facebook – Instagram, Snapchat, LinkedIn, we have all these great opportunities and platforms that we operate for free. I mean, I remember when I first got into real estate, you had to bankroll quite a bit to, uh, to, to be able to market yourself. And now we have these great platforms. And I still see, I love the realtor that will post nothing for nine days. And then for three days straight, it's every listing they've ever seen. And that's all you get. And I go, <laughs> you're, you're kind of missing the point here. It's an interactive thing. So yeah, and there's um, no value to that, dude. It's just like, nah. like, dude, who cares? Per, you, people need to, to when you're doing marketing, you shouldn't, you're the goal of any advertising campaign should not actually be like right then and there to like produce a sale. The goal 
should be to produce a follower, to produce a fan, to produce somebody that is interested in learning about what you have to offer. Because once you have a person who has decided that you are the expert, you are who they go to for information on that product or service, once they find out that you can actually sell them or assist them in buying that product or service, what, else, what do you think, who, who else would they buy it from? Absolutely. And that loyalty, see, and here's, I've heard realtors say, well, buyers are liars, which, you know, we've all heard the, the industry things, but what I found a lot of times is we just haven't done a good job of meeting the need of, or, or finding out what the need is and then saying, Hey, here's who I am. And I've come to a point now and it's that scarcity versus uh, abundance mindset. And I'm at the point now where if you don't pick me as your realtor, I keep moving and I'm, I'm, I'm no worse for wear. And I know I, I, as a, at one time for, for eight years, I was a member of the number one sales team in Ohio. And uh, what I realized was I had this mentality that everything belonged to me. Everything belonged to us. Every client was mine. And what I realize now is, you know what? There's a, there's a great opportunity for me to be me, to go out there and just be fully me. I look what I look like. I sound what I sound like. I am who I am. And if you don't choose me, then I hope you choose someone that really resonates with you. And that's why I, I love the fact that you're able to just come out here and say exactly who you are and what it is. I think that's probably a big turn in our industry because I recall when I first got in, you know, I, I still had agents in our office that had glamour shots for their, and I was like, is this your daughter? Or And now we go, you know what? Let's be real. Let's make a Facebook post that's that's real. When you talk about your tenants from hell, I've, I've watched the show. It is very interesting. I've been in those houses and uh, I've taken clients to those houses and sometimes wannabe investors change their minds really quick. <laughs> yeah, dude, the tenants from hell show, I mean, I, I love it, right? And like the tenants from hell show, like I, I touched on this earlier, like is one thing that I ha we had to fully commit to, right? Like for a while we were, we were not, we were, be, we were not being authentic, right? We were, we trying to run a little bit of the residential stuff at the same time trying to run this. And, you know, obviously you could tell based on my personality on the show, I'm a pretty uh, unique, I have a unique personality. You're either going to love me or you're going to hate me. But if you, if you hate me, that's fine. I don't care because I'm going to offer one specific product and service and I'm going to do that better than anybody else in the world. And uh, I don't give a shit about any of the other products and services. I used to give an analogy when I trained people and fucking Burger King ruined it for me uh, this month, actually. But I used to tell everyone on my staff, I'm like, look, guys, this is what we do at Holton Wise. I have been the number one real estate uh, agent. If you look at the MLS data, I've been the number one guy for selling uh, rental property in Cleveland, in Cuyahoga County for like the last like two or three years straight. So I know what I do works uh, and I don't want to do anything else. So we don't have to apologize for how we do business, but we need to explain to people, we do one thing and one thing only. If you want to do anything that deviates from that, sorry, we can't help you. We're like Burger King. We sell burgers. We don't sell tacos. If you want tacos, we understand a lot of people like tacos. You have to go to Taco Bell. You can't go to Burger King. But I can't fucking say that anymore, Sam, because apparently Burger King sells tacos now. Holy shit. That was a shocker. That literally ruined years of sales training. Well, yeah, you might have to say Wendy's. I don't know. Yeah, but that aside, <laughs> the point remains the same, man. You got to like do what you do and you got to market so much that you're, you're blasting your message out there and there's going to be people that you're not the right fit for. Like as realtors, we need to check our ego at the door thinking we could do everything better than everybody else. Like if you, if you wanted to buy you and your family a home in Pepper Pike, I would not be like the guy for you. Like I don't have that skill set, man. Like I, I just don't, it's just not what I do. I do, I do the tennis from hell stuff. And 
like trying to manage other agents that wanted to do that. I was fooling myself thinking that I would be a good mentor for them. I'm like, oh man, dude, I, I've sold so much real estate. I know how to sell all real estate. I was dead wrong, man. And then like I would hurt their businesses because people would research their company and they'd be like, hey, I met you at church, but like your broker just said, hey, here's a family. And I threw them in the street. Here's my YouTube video about it. Like it was a, it just didn't work, right? We were too many mixed messages. So yeah. Yeah, I feel like you don't mix messages too much. And I, just to give you a little bit of insight, this is episode one. So one of hopefully very many. And, and what's really funny is when I, I have a long list of people that are, you know, we narrow things down. I'm a, I'm a list checker guy. And I say, who do I want on my first show? I, I want to talk real estate. I want to talk entrepreneurism. I want to talk some specific uh, points that people that I will work with or work around or come in relationships with in all aspects are going to get or at least kind of see or be curious about what you do. But more importantly, I said, I want someone who's a little polarizing. So the fact that you just pointed out that you can like you or hate you, and it makes you know, never mind. I think that's such a, a great position to be in. It gives you that opportunity where you're not so scarce that you have to pretend that you're someone you're not. Absolutely, man. If you can convince half the country to hate you, you could be the president. <laughs> I love it. We, we, we get to jump into politics on this, too. So um, <laughs> the, uh, the current speaking of politics, actually, not to get into politics specifically, but one of the things I want to talk to you about is economics. Yeah, well, dude, politics is sweet, bro. Just so you know, though, I, I look, I'll be, I'll be honest. I know half the people listening might turn off right now, but like I'm a big Trump supporter. Okay. And I'm an extreme, uh, I'm not extreme, but like, I'm very right wing. Right. And my, and look, this, this method is not going to work for every realtor out there. I have a very unique message, right? Like I could be very disliked and my message still hammers home. And like, I still print money being disliked, but I, my most popular video on Holton Wise TV, we actually evicted someone. It was a tenant. We evicted her live. She was driving a Cadillac Escalade. That's the most popular show I've ever put out. At, to this date, we're at like 800 and almost, I think it's about 860,000 views, right? So you get 860,000 eyeballs on your product, guys, you're making money. But the biggest thing is uh, at the beginning of the show, I had made a, uh, I thought it was clever. I made a, a remark about the left-wingers that a lot of people took offense to. And the reason that video went so viral is so many people started arguing with each other and it just allowed my content uh, to just continue to grow and thrive. So like politics, dude, I'm sorry to like trail off here, but I, I think politics is important. It just goes back to being your authentic self because guys, if you're trying to get into this shit and you're trying to market on Facebook, you need to understand how Facebook works, man. If, if people are not engaging with your content, your content's just dropping off and no one's looking at it. So that's why you can't post a picture of your goddamn business card because nobody fucking cares. But if you want to say something about your, your political stance, you have to just accept it. Not everybody's going to like you. So just be okay knowing that half the people are going to agree with you and then the half of the people who don't agree with you are going to make you money anyway because they're going to argue with the other people who are on your side and that's just going to cause more engagement to your posts and your posts are going to get driven to the top. So I don't know as realtors, I think a lot of realtors try to avoid all conflict or they try to avoid all talk about politics. Why? Why do we do that? Not everyone's going to like us anyway. What we need to do though is get conversations started so we are top of mind. Because again, all we do is help people buy and sell when they've already decided to buy and sell. We don't convince people to do that. So we got to stay top of mind, guys. 
Sorry to cut you off there, Sam. I just, I really wanted to talk about that. I love talking about politics and I just, I just, I hate how people miss that opportunity. No, I, I, I'm not sorry that you took me off topic because I, I, I'm going to remember the question, but you took me into a much better place to discuss one thing. And it's something when I first came into real estate, you know, the internet wasn't as prolific as it was or as it is today. We didn't search for properties the same way. Certainly users or the, the consumer was kind of stuck with what we fed them as opposed to, they didn't have all these platforms that they can go and find every house that's on the MLS and some that aren't. So, so I learned it a lot different. And one of the things I also learned as we came into this age of immediate newsfeed, Facebook, something cannot happen. I'm down here in Medina right now and something can't happen in Cleveland where I won't know about it within five minutes, depending on the magnitude of it. So with that, when I was with that number one team, one of the team owners would frequently reach out to different members of the team and say, Hey, you need to take that post down. What do you want to do? Do you want to offend 50% of the people that could be looking? And the mentality is so different in that setting compared to, and there's, here's the difference in entrepreneurship and having a job. And when I first got into real estate, I had a job. I, I, called myself an entrepreneur. I thought I had a business, but what I realized was when the team leader or the team owner could come in and say, Hey, I don't like that post you posted because it's kind of a reflection of me. Then I said, well, I'm, I, I'm, when is it me? So I decided to go and, and be me. So I, I like the fact that you just said that. And I love the fact that all PC aside, I, I'm 45 years old, so I don't care about PC too much. What I care about is people being able to have a dialogue and not being afraid to speak their mind, regardless of either side. So I, I love the fact that you're able to say, hey, I'm a right wing or I'm a Trump supporter. And if you don't like it, that's OK. Move on. Absolutely. And just I just want to clarify, though, like there is a limit, right? You can't just oh, sure. like you can't be ridiculous. Like there there is a limit, like even at my company, uh, which, dude. If you get fired by me for saying something messed up on the internet, man, you are like way off your rocker. But I don't know if you remember this, Sam, but do you remember when uh, the Cavaliers played the Golden State Warriors in the finals the first year? Yeah, the first year, yes. Okay, well, the very when first year. I don't, Kevin Love's, Love's arm in the uh, – the... yes. yes. I don't know if you remember this or not, but a story went totally viral there was a kid who got fired from his job because he was saying like racist and homophobic things uh, all over Twitter to Steph Curry's family and talking about like Steph Curry's daughter. I uh, recall that very well. That story got picked up. It was on national news media. It was on ESPN, Mike and Mike. Well, that, was, that kid worked for me. I was the guy that fired that kid. It's okay to have opinions and, and voice your opinions, guys, but obviously you can't, you, you can't be – vicious you can't be racist you can't be bigoted you can't do that if you have those ideals in your head man check those at the door so don't think that by me saying be yourself be authentic it gives you free reign to be an asshole you can't do that so i just want to make sure that i get that out there be yourselves guys but you can't be a prick (laughs) you know it's so funny that you brought that up because i had forgotten completely about that he did work for you because i remember on the news of course they showed when you had those vans yeah. And of course, they showed a picture of your van. And, and I go, man, what an indictment against the whole company for one knucklehead. Yeah, I, I, you know, I'm not saying, like, let some kid do something crazy. But I mean, 
at the end of the day, guys, all press is still good press. J- just actually, like literally, like four months ago, I sold an apartment building, uh, made about twenty thousand dollars on the deal. And uh, the only reason that that guy um, knew who I was is because he saw that story back when it happened, and he had reached out to us. He was the guy. He lived in uh, Wisconsin, and he inherited an apartment building. So you know, even even when bad things happen, again, I'm not advocating that kid's behavior. That's why I had to remove him from my company, but. It just really goes to show you guys how powerful it is to get your name out there. Because even like something that seems like negative, and it was negative. I, I don't support what that kid said. The exposure, you're still able to turn that around. You know, I went out there. I, I sent you know an open letter. All the news stations picked it up. I apologized for his behavior. People saw that I reacted. And uh, more people saw that, more eyeballs saw that. And I was able to turn that entire poor situation into a $20,000 uh, commission check for myself. And that, you know, that's the type of thing that you guys can do as entrepreneurs if you are constantly thinking about how to get your message out there and get it out there the, the right way. Uh, well, and I also like that, you know, there is no, there's no perfect days. They're, they're muddled or they're at least the equation is you have some bad days. I love the fact that it's something really negative that could have shut some people down. They could have turned tail and you said you got in front of it and you, you made it work for you. Yeah. If you, if you were constantly doing, you know, if you, if you believe in what you're doing and you're not trying to harm people and you're trying to do a good job, everybody doesn't have to like you, but if you believe in what you're doing and you're doing the right thing and you're just continually pushing forward, you could get through little hurdles. Cause dude, Real estate is one of the hardest businesses there is, man. It's a 90% turnover. So like if there's 10 new realtors listening to me and you talk right now, Sam, nine of them are going to fail. So for that one guy, the one guy, the guy that, the guy or girl that wants to be that one person that succeeds, you have to know that it's an uphill battle. It is a very tough business. So you're going to have to take your licks. I mean, I know I've taken a lot of them throughout the years. Yeah. Speaking of, of those lumps and those roadblocks, what is the biggest mistake you made that you could go back and change? Or when you got into the business, what was it you wish you had known so you could have avoided mistakes teach us, right? But yeah. some mistakes we just wish we didn't have to learn. The biggest thing, and I touched on it a few times earlier already, the biggest mistake I think I made was trying to spread myself too thin and try to to, to stick my leg in two separate ponds. Like I really think that I made a major mistake because when we first started this company, it was the investor only mindset because that's what we that's what we are. That's what we believed in. It was rental properties. We sell rental properties in Cleveland to worldwide investors and we handle everything from top to bottom, right? I even own a title company and insurance company now. So like we could literally take care of everything they need. That was our niche. Everyone else was zigging. We were zagging. We found that one thing that we do better than everybody else. But I got cocky and I decided that I am so freaking good at this. I was able to come into the Cleveland market and like I took over that market share of that particular niche, like within like two years, dude, like my name became the biggest name in that aspect. Right. If anybody's trying to buy like duplexes or small apartment buildings in Cleveland, there's no comparison to my company. Uh, And that's just a fact. Doesn't mean I'm the best uh, seller of real estate in the world in regards to all real estate. I, maybe I, I got that thought in my head a little bit and I started building up my residential team. I'm like, screw it. I'm so good at this. Well, commissions are bigger in Pepper Pike. Let's sell Pepper Pike. If I could sell $180,000 duplex, I'm going to sell $100,000, mansions. And dude, I got slapped out of that business. That's just not the right business for me. And so much time was spent trying to, to work on that business or adjust our message to be more of a, uh, 
don't know, like more of like a watered down version, more of a vanilla type version uh, of the investment business to try to appease the folks who are trying to appeal to the other market. Uh, I, I think we lost a lot of money. We lost a lot of opportunities. And like when we decided to just cut that business and go back to who we are, what we believe in, it was like, dude, it was like liberating. I really feel like it was liberating. And then that was what led us to the creation of some of those other TV shows. Because at that point, uh, the TV shows were just getting started. We were doing a lot of the investment property for sale stuff. But like we had all these amazing like stories of like horrible tenant interactions that we've dealt with. And we were posting pictures and quick little tidbits. But we weren't fully committed yet because if you guys watch my Tennis from Hell stuff, dude, it is like freaking savage, man. Like I own a motel. And uh, it has affectionately been nicknamed the Sex Motel. Big article. If you guys Google this, uh, Cranes wrote an article about this purchase. And uh, it's the it's uh, for anybody in Cleveland, anybody not in Cleveland, if you just Google, you know, Holton Wise takes over a motel, something like that, it should pop up. This is like a 43,000 square foot motel. And it's been rented by the hour for like the last 25 years. It's in old Brooklyn. It's not the greatest neighborhood. I'd consider it like a C-class neighborhood. And it was just riddled with like prostitution, drug addiction. Like I actually saw a guy OD, like when we were viewing it with the owner the first time, there was literally a guy ODing in the grass. And it was like Tuesday at like two o'clock. And we're like, oh, junkie's dying. And like 20 minutes later, the ambulance is out there giving the guy Narcan. Like that's the type of property this is. Well, we bought that property. And uh, we're turning into apartment buildings. But to, to make a long story short, uh, we had some tenants fighting each other in that building. And uh, somebody like stole 20 bucks from somebody, some type of small monetary thing. And the other guy, you know, in retaliation for him stealing 20 bucks, he decided to set his car on fire. The guy had a gold car, Sam. Um, but the thing is, he didn't know which gold car was his. So there was a couple gold cars in the parking lot. So naturally, he set all the gold cars on fire. So that's just like the type of stuff that we're dealing with. And like we're dealing with this stuff day in and day out. And uh, this is just like exceptionally educational content that people need to know about. But when I was dipping my toes into both those businesses, we were trying to hold that back because we know we got 10 right. realtors over here that are going to be mortified when I go out there on a show or on the Internet and say, hey, man. I got this sex motel and these motherfuckers just set it on fire. What the hell? Real estate's crazy. Like that doesn't jive with every message. Uh, so we had to hold a lot of it back. But what, like, again, when we cut it, man, it was like the most liberating thing. And like our sales, like they actually went up and we were able to actually open up a couple other more similarly related businesses. Cause once we got the Holton Wise TV really going, cause we were able to put out that content, uh, we were actually able to ex- expand exponentially and now i'm actually doing marketing for property managers and turnkey companies that do the same thing i do but i'm doing it nationwide now so now we have downstream vendors in memphis tennessee indianapolis indiana toledo ohio birmingham alabama and if i wouldn't have got out of the cleveland residential real estate business i could never have opened myself up outside of ohio yeah close one door another one opens right yes absolutely so let's let's talk there for just a minute, um, and I want to relate this to the economy. We kind of started to go there when we when we were laughing about politics, but what's the difference the econ- the economy is in now versus maybe in 2013, and does it make a really big impact on your bottom line? When I, my thought is, investors are maybe a little bit more apt to feel comfortable getting in the market. Yeah, it's it's unique, right? Like if I was in the safe financial position I am today in 2013, 
I would be flying around on a private jet right now because the amount of money that we were picking up some of these properties for in 2013 versus what they're going for right now, it's insane. I wish I could have bought every single house I came across back then. So as the market shifts, the business has to shift, right? So like what I focus more on today right now in the market and the current cycle that it's at is, is more sales. Because you're absolutely right. Even though the prices are higher today, the prices are higher today because more buyers feel comfortable. Financing is easier to obtain. So I am less in the acquisition phase because we run like a $50 million portfolio. But John and myself, that's John Holton, the other owner, we own, we maintain an ownership of like uh, around 20% of that portfolio. But like currently, like if you look the last 18 months, we have acquired a lot less properties than we would normally do. We were acquiring a lot more back then versus what we're doing right now. And right now we're just focused on sales, on sales because just the, the, the buyer demand is so good. So it's incredibly important uh, to pay attention to cycles in the market. You want to be like super niche, but at the same time, I don't want to try to confuse people, but at the same time, even though you're focusing on your niche, you do have to understand that the market is an ever-changing thing and you got to adapt to it. Like at one point, the guys who made VCRs, you know, they had a laser-focused vision, but at some point you got to realize this is no longer a viable business. I need to make an adjustment. So if the market shifts, you might need to shift your business. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's super important. That is one area where I think residential, what I do and what you do, do kind of mirror one another. And I do see agents that are a little bit behind hey, we've been in a seller's market for a good period of time now. And um, when I came in and I I actually remember the first time I heard, hey, we're in a seller's market, I kind of turned my head because I was like, that's the first time I've ever heard that. And I think that probably one of the things that it does affect you is I do see that there's a lot more investors out there. So the competition for you becomes a little bit more stringent. And that, that does probably negate some of the acquisitions you can make. Yeah. Um, but again, just, you know, shifting the business. Like I, I focus a lot of my attention right now. Uh, well, like when I meet sellers of rental properties, I'm not as interested as purchasing them for my personal holdings as I am getting the listing, putting it on my TV show and uh, sending it off to the investors. Because every time I get a listing, it goes on my TV show. I'm going to make money, of course, selling that property. That's the number one goal. But more importantly than that, every single show I put out, because I, I do even when I'm selling you a property, I'm still wrapping that in educational content marketing. I'm growing my overall business every single time. And that's my biggest focus. But like, you know, if six months from now, dude, the market takes like a nosedive and we are able to buy duplexes in like Cleveland, West side of Cleveland for 35,000 again. Yeah, dude, I'm going to be out there. Like I'm going to get that one. I'm going to get that one. I'm going to get that one. I'm going to be picking them all up. Cause I know that market will cycle again in seven years and we'll be back to selling them for 90 or a hundred. I, I, you know, my first office was uh, the old realty one office. It's now a Howard Hanna on, uh, on uh, Warren road there. In, okay. In and I remember all the duplexes around there were always for sale and you could pick those suckers up for 80 grand in, I mean, long-term tenants in long-term leases that the pristine properties, new roof, new hot water tanks, new furnaces. And and now I look and I go, oh my gosh, man, if I could have just bought 10 of those, I would, you know, I'd be in the jet beside you. So absolutely. Um, I wish I would have bought more. I, you know, I wish I would have, but you know, hindsight's 2020. Everybody's going to start somewhere, you know, like the, the, like the market's going to cycle, but obviously nothing's going to cycle like it did in, in those years. Like 2013 was like a year unlike anything else. Right. I'm like new to the game. I'm green to the game. I'm like a pretty sharp guy, but like, 
I didn't know a lot of what I know now. Like, you know, had I known that like we were in such a unique place in history that will probably never occur again, but that doesn't mean we're not going to cycle guys. Like the market's going to go up a little bit more than I think it'll teeter back down and buy low, sell high. Absolutely. So here's, here's what I always like to do, no matter what I'm doing. And we talked about it earlier, bringing value. So my audience is probably going to be very curious. You said, you know, I hear you say, Hey, I have a lot of foreign investors, but I know you or your business model. And I know that you, that's just because you cast a wide net for the people who are watching or listening, depending on how they're picking up, uh, picking this up. What, what opportunities do you have for say first time or relatively new walk me through that process if i came to you and said hey i have a little bit of liquid but i don't have enough to close a complete deal i want to get something that's going to cash flow me a little bit what does that look like how do you walk me through the process that you would educate me or the questions you would ask me because i know a lot of people and i and i used to try to deal with these people and again it wasn't my niche so i i really couldn't steer them the right way but who doesn't want to own property who doesn't you know we all know that property is the number one way to wealth so talk to me about that client that uh, maybe is new to the game. What would you do for them? <clears throat> well, this is, uh, this is kind of like a unique thing. And uh, it's all going to go back to, to marketing, right? Because how I actually would handle that client is probably a lot different than what you're expecting me to say. I probably would not really engage with that client personally uh, on a one-on-one basis uh, for a free rate anyway at all. I, you know, if that client wanted to talk to me one-on-one, he could, but my rates, they're not cheap. It's uh, 700 bucks for a 30 minute phone call. What I do. And the only reason I can do this was I able to do this when I first started my career? Absolutely not. Uh, but because I market so much and I put so much into my business and marketing my brand and casting that wide net, anybody that uh, reaches out to our company, uh, we have a complete automated sales process. Okay. So they're, their, their information is captured and they are sent uh, introductory emails explaining exactly how we do things. And it's just very simple. Like no matter who you are, no matter how much money you have, like if, if you're one guy and you have $50,000 cash or if you're one guy and you have $7 million, uh, you're going to get the same level of service from my company. We, we don't play favorites or anything like that because look, man. If you're new in real estate, this is something that you, uh, especially if you're going to play in the investor game, you're going to get a lot of people that want to talk to you about doing business, not necessarily do business. You can attest to that. Am I right? hundred percent. Yeah. So, you, so if you're, if you're going to make it in this business, guys, you need to position yourself where you can, you can screen out the time wasters. Cause if you're trying to walk your dog from point A to point B, but you're stopping and barking at every single house on the way, you're never going to get to your destination, right? So you have to you know, get laser focused. And the only way you can get laser focused is when you have a sales funnel that produces so many leads that they're just like throwing up on you. It's like lead after lead after lead. And you could pick out your one thing that you do better than everybody else and just replicate that over and over. And if 100 people come in and maybe only five of those people, if you need five people to make your sales numbers for the month, but you know you have to talk to 100, you got to figure out how to market to get yourself to 100 so you could eliminate the 95 and just work with the five. So for us, the way that works is if you're down to purchase properties in a very automated fashion, like we more or less sell real estate, like 
it feels like kind of like how you would buy something on Amazon, really. So like whoever reaches out to me, no matter what their specific story is, you know, we give them all this introductory information. Hey, if you want to buy properties, we sell every property on the investment property for sale show. We're going to send that to you every single day at one o'clock Eastern Standard Time. If you see the property that you want to buy on that show, you need to send James an email and do this, this, and this. You need to include your proof of funds. If you don't have a lender just yet, here's our referral list. Here's all the lenders we have. Contact them, get pre-approved, and then you can make an offer. Because every property I put on my show, dude, like my shows go out every day at one o'clock. By four o'clock, I got like 35 offers. And again, I could only do that because I spend so much time and effort marketing. Uh, So that's how I would handle that investor. And if that specific product of buying it off that television show doesn't work for that investor, you know, we'll give them backup options. We'll say, okay, that's fine. If you want to work in a more one-on-one fashion, like if, you don't, if you're not able to buy properties off the show or they're going too fast and you want me to find something on the MLS, here's the MLS search and analysis show. If you want, you could tell me what you're looking for. I'll find it, but you have to pay up front. And I could only do that because I spent so much time marketing. And then, like I said, if they really just want to talk one-on-one, that's fine. I'll talk to them, but I won't talk to them for free because, again, I've positioned my business to where I don't need to give away uh, that one-on-one attention for free because I provide so much content and, and, and things like that online. Cause you know, anything we'll do too, we'll always push that person who doesn't want to pay right now back to the shows. Cause more or less, whatever you're trying to ask me, I've given that information out right. there for free to the masses and it's there. I can't do that individually with you. So I I'm guessing you didn't expect that answer though. I, you know, I, I honestly, I didn't expect it fully like that, but there's filters. And as a business coach, I have some of the same standards. You can't talk to everyone who wants to talk because again, for free, you'll never get anything done. And time, time is very valuable. So um, while I didn't expect your answer, it makes perfect sense to me. Uh, The other thing that I think makes sense, the difference that you can do it that way, obviously you built, you have your filters, you've been able to be successful and prove your success for your clients. So I think that, that lends itself all to you being able to have those filters in place. I think the other part too is the emotional standpoint that people have with investment properties versus the house that they are going to, you know, live in, whatever their plans are, you know, this is our first house, or this is our forever house, or this is where we're going to raise the kids, or this is where we raise the kids and now we're going to sell it. Those emotional ties are are really important in, in the residential real estate game sometimes where not so much we're talking about buying properties that are a vehicle for money. Oh yeah. Oh, that's a dude. That is like an amazing point. And like, <clears throat> that's what we have to do. You have to like analyze your skill set. You know, like I am good at certain things, but I'm terrible at other things. Just like I, my residential business did not take off. I do not have the skill set for that. So when you're like a new realtor and you're looking at all the various niches, you have to like look in the mirror and take stock of what you're good at, right? And just be honest with yourself because you're not going to be good at all of it. If you are a very engaging and warm personality and uh, you're just very like a social butterfly, you love going to events and you like just like love making one-on-one connections with people, like, you know, maybe like the luxury market would be something for you, right? Because there is all of those ties. But at the same time, if you're that person, and you don't have a lick of like analytical or financial sense, you would be insane to try to follow my business plan, right? You just have to like accept what you're good at, what you're not good at. Like, 
both of those models, if you do it better than anybody else, they will both make you a very wealthy person. Like, you know, I've sold $125 million worth of real estate and I sell some of the ugliest, grossest, most fucking disgusting real estate anybody's ever seen. Like a lot of the real estate I sell, you have to take a shower when you get home, right? But I have a skill set that I've molded and that I, I've worked around and I've hit that business hard. So my business is definitely not better. It's just, it, it's better for me and my personality type and, and my skill set. So you just got to tie that in to what you're trying to do. And from there, move forward after you like assess your skills. I, I, I love it when someone can go into something, not be 100% successful, but get so much out of it. Hey, residential real estate, not for me. I love that you can say that kind of proudly. It's almost like you're wearing it like a badge. Like, hey, I tried it. I got cocky. I thought I was great. And now I'm gone from it because it wasn't what I needed or it didn't fit. So to, to me, that's a huge win. And you know, that, that kind of goes, it's cliche, I know, but I never lose. I either win or I learn. And you know, I was, you know that, that's the concept there. So, well, I, I'm going to kind of wrap this up. And so what I wanted to do now is plug your stuff one more time for me. And then do you have anything big on the horizon or you're just in a good spot doing exactly what you're doing in the way you're doing it? Yeah, guys, the biggest thing, if you want to see what we're doing, uh, as I said, it's all on the show. It's uh, Holton Weiss TV. You could either uh, view our episodes, view what we're doing on HoltonWise.com, or you can just punch it into YouTube and uh, we'll pop up. Holton Weiss TV. We got a little something for everybody. As far as like uh, what we're doing right now, expanding, I've already captured like a pretty large chunk of the Cleveland market as far as the property management business uh, and the sales aspect of that business. I have no desire to expand into any other area on Cleveland real estate. I've already done that and retreated. We've talked about that at length. Uh, but what we're doing right now, the biggest thing right now, which is kind of cool for your listeners, is uh, we're really expanding the marketing business because um, when I cast my net, right, like people don't come to me, to my channel, because they like specifically love Cleveland. Cleveland itself, Cleveland, Ohio, is a representation uh, of a much bigger overall market. And that is more or less the Midwest of the United States of America. And what I mean by that is cities like Cleveland, Ohio, Indianapolis, Indiana, Birmingham, Alabama, Memphis, Tennessee, uh, Detroit, uh, Erie, Pennsylvania, right? All these cities all have something in common. The cost of living is incredibly low. Properties are incredibly uh, low priced in comparison to other more expensive places like, you know, your New York, your California, Portland, stuff like that, right? So there is a lot more money in the rest of the world than in just this small little, these small little markets, we can all agree, right? The biggest pond is the, is the whole world. And uh, you can pick up properties in these markets for prices that are very low and you could make money as, as a real estate investor. So people come to me because they want to be a real estate investor. You know, my typical buyers, you know, it might be like a group of doctors, right? From Los Angeles. They don't specifically have something that they really care about Cleveland. What they like about the Cleveland market is the price to rent ratios and the things that it's represented by. But they're also just as equally interested in something like Detroit, Michigan or Indianapolis. So we have all of the followers, all of the fans who are interested in this, because again, we pump out so much marketing, so much free educational content, guys, provide value to the market, and the money's going to pour in. Like, we have so many more people who are interested in purchasing the properties than we could ever fulfill inventory wise on a profitable basis to give these people. 
which is another reason why I'm able to screen out all those new buyers and I don't have to spend one-on-one time with them anymore. Because for every property I want to sell, Sam, I got like 25 investors who want to buy that thing. I mean, that's a, that's a great problem to have. I'm sure there's a lot of brand new realtors out there listening right now like, holy shit, how do I get that guy's problems? Sign me up. Well, you can. Guys, if you market enough, that will be your problem. So the biggest thing that we're excited about is, is taking our marketing and, and putting other turnkey providers and other property management companies that are handling investor sales in these low-cost markets and producing them for our, for our audience. We are hoping to expand to pretty much everywhere in the Midwest. Like I'm currently working on a couple deals right now. We're going to be offering Kansas City properties. Uh, we're working on some deals in Michigan, and we're working on bringing on Pennsylvania. So that's the biggest thing for Holton Wise is uh, just hitting the entire Midwest of the United States. I want to be in every single Midwestern market in this country. Right now, we are in five. By the end of the year, I hope to be in at least 15. Yeah, very cool, man. And, and I love the, uh, you, you built it here, you found out what works and doesn't work, and now it's scalable and kind of easy to pick up and, and do it again and again and again in similar markets. Absolutely, absolutely. You got to prove out the concept and then, you know, become a master of that one thing and expand. And this is great because it's, it's, it's more integrated with my other businesses. And I didn't realize this back when I started. Like, for me, like, when we decided we got greedy, we tried to go into that residential route. I was thinking that residential Cleveland real estate was more related to my business than it really was, when in fact it wasn't. And believe it or not, rental properties in Memphis, Tennessee are more integrated and more automatable in my current business than driving over to Strongsville right now and selling our properties to, a, to like a family. That's just like two totally different aspects of this business, which require two incredibly different skill sets and one of which I don't have. Perfect. It's good. It's good to know what you're good at. I think it's more important to know what you're not good at. <laughs> Absolutely, man. Uh, and, and I mean, it's true. And it seems like you, you really done a good job of, um, of learning that lesson and then just applying everything about it to your business. And uh, I see what you're doing. And I love it. Ah, oh, thank you, brother. I appreciate that. So, well, James, I, I want to say again, thank you so much for being on episode one uh, of, again, hopefully a long, and a lot of episodes ahead of us. But uh, I really appreciate your time. I know how valuable it is. And uh, again, anybody who's listening or watching, please go to Holton Wise TV. I've watched a lot of the content. It is great content. There's a huge educational aspect behind it. And if nothing else, James is entertaining. And I, and I, <laughs> I mean, I think that's important. And I think that's a big part of your marketing, why it goes over so well. So again, James, thank you so much. I appreciate it. Hey, thank you, Sam. Anytime you want to have me on, man, I'd be happy to come on. Thanks for listening to Sam's on Fire. And don't forget to check out samsonfire.com. And if you like what you're hearing, be sure to subscribe to the podcast and share it with a fellow entrepreneur so you get notification of all new episodes.